Brothers and sisters of the barbecue world, Cowboy Kev here welcoming you to another episode of Man Meat Barbecue with your host, Mikey K. Man Meat Barbecue is proudly sponsored by Fire and Smoke Barbecue. If you're looking for a new seasoning, head over to fireandsmokebbq.com. We ship nationwide or pick up a catering menu for those of you in the Chicago area. Also brought to you by Myron Mixon Smokers. If you're a caterer competition or just a backyard cooker, we have the smoker for you. Go check them out at MyronMixonSmokers.com. And now, here is your host, Mikey K. To Lincoln, Nebraska, the barbecue central of the world. Oh, wait, nobody's ever said that before. But we are saying that right now. So we are going to a awesome retailer that is located in Lincoln, Nebraska. It's called, I'm going to butcher this, it's Rubadukes, correct? Rubadukes. Rubadukes. See, I, I told you I was going to mess something up. I, I found the first thing to mess up. So, guys, it's Rubidu Inc. If you're going on Instagram, um, the website, I believe, is, uh, if, I, if it goes back to it, it's RubiduInc.com. Super simple. You can you can pick up sauces. You can pick up cookers. You can pick up rubs. You can pick up anything you pretty much need for barbecue. It's a fantastic one-stop shop. So, I want to say thank you so much for you guys coming on the show. And we got, we got about three people. This is, you know... They actually want to chat with me, which is crazy. Uh, so thank you so much for giving us your time, guys, and, and chatting barbecue. Yes, for sure. We love talking about food here. <laughs> so what made you guys kind of what made you guys want to do this type of store? Uh, so um, we, my dad, started out in 1979 originally as like an industrial supply shop. Um, and he did that for many years and in the mid nineties, so in Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, you know, there is, there isn't much around here, especially in the nineties and Traeger grills was actually made in Waco, Nebraska, which is about 25 miles down the road. And they came to my dad, um, and, uh, through other business tr transactions that they have done and said, Hey, you know, why don't you sell Traeger grills? And my dad's like, well, it has nothing to do with what I sell now, but you know, uh, I'm totally willing to, you know, take it on. And, uh, so we started doing that back then. Nobody knew what a pellet grill was. They looked at you and was like, what, what the heck, <laughs> you know? Yep. And so you had to really explain to them the principle, how it worked, um, and all that, and they were manual light. So you also had to find someone that wanted to go, you know, light their pellet, you know, cooker. And, um, but that started out, um, we actually did really good. We were one of, you know, their, their top, you know, selling stores back then, obviously they were very small and, and there was also a grill called Nomad, um, which was very short lived, but it uh, was one of the original pellet grills as well. It was really flimsy. So we didn't have that for very long, but we continued with the Traeger grills and we sold that for for many years and the business kind of evolved from there. As you know, you know, as pellet grills got known, there's many other manufacturers that have taken it on, yep. you know, and we've grown from there and we were in the same location uh, since, uh, but it was a, a very small location and so we didn't have a lot of room to display stuff and uh, with, you know, 
other aspects of our business. We were growing. We were in a couple different locations as far as we had warehouse and whatnot. And we wanted to kind of consolidate and get into a you know one one building. And we tried for a few years to find an existing location and couldn't. So we finally built a new location that can house everything. And we have a much larger showroom, which gave us the ability to bring on many more different products that you know kind of you know we're all around barbecue and it has been very good for us it's something that we're all very passionate about that we love and we continue to add all the time and you know our goal is to be you know like that one-stop shop and you know in lincoln nebraska you know there there's some areas where there's other large barbecue stores and there isn't you know so close to to Lincoln, you have to drive quite a ways to get to one, and so we're trying to be that go-to store. I mean, Lincoln, Nebraska is a, is a lovely little town. Yeah, no, it, there's a, there's, you know, it is a very nice place. I mean, there's not a lot to do like there would be in Chicago or you know Dallas, Texas, something like that. But you know, it's it's a great place to be. I mean, I, I will, I have, I have been to Lincoln, Nebraska. I've spent a couple days there. Um, it was it. I was much younger, but uh, it was it was still it was still a fun little town. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know we also you know have other products that we carry, but barbecue is definitely one of our our main main products that we focus on. So after you guys, you know, you said you got you got the Traegers in, you started carrying some stuff. What was the next like growth of it when you said, okay, cool, this is working? Because obviously when you first started carrying it, you were like, okay, well, we're not going to run out and get every barbecue product known to mankind. We, we want to make sure that this actually works and people are starting to come. So at what point did you guys kind of look at it and say, okay, you know, there's a business here. How do we, how do we kind of spread our wings and get more in? Well, how we really grew as far as people knowing what pellet grills were, I actually, I think goes back to pellet and corn stoves. We got into that market uh, with a couple different companies because when, when pellet stoves first came to market, pellets were cheap um, and everybody wanted one. And, and once people kind of found out about that, the grill just kind of came naturally. Um, and that's really what took the pellet business to the next level for us anyways. And then, you know, as the years progressed, uh, we, you know, got into a couple different brands um, and we were the go-to shop around here for pellets because you couldn't get until just the last few years you couldn't get pellets anywhere. I mean, you had to go to a specialty shop to get pellets, and that's actually how me and and Nick uh, met is you know with the pellets. Um, and f so for years that was kind of our, our our you know the reason everybody came to us was to get pellets, and then. That business continued, and when we moved, you know, we just knew that it was, you know, a prime opportunity to really take those loyal customers that we have had and give them even more. You know, that's what it's about. When you come into our store, we want people to see something new, you know, see a whole bunch of things that interest them, you know, always have something different that other stores don't have, um, and that's uh, what we try to focus on with the barbecue side of things. And you guys also, you guys, if I'm not wrong, you guys sell sell meat also. We do, yeah. We carry some local uh, products, and then we also carry, you know, Snake River Farms um, as well. Um, it's frozen, um, so we have a, a freezer here where we carry that, and um, people are able to come and purchase those meat products that 
you know, they're not able to get elsewhere, you know, as far if people don't know what they're looking at, they're kind of sticker shocked when they see Snake River Farms, you know, but for the people that, you know, know what they're looking for, um, they, they love that they're able to come locally and get something like that. I mean, the experience is completely different with that versus, you know, going to your grocery store and, and getting meat. You know, it, it's always a little bit of a sticker shock, right? When you, um, when you look at the per poundage or, or, um, the amount, especially if you're if you're looking at a at a larger steak or something that's a little bit different, um, they, there's always that initial sticker shock, right? Yeah. But I think that that helps people ask questions sometimes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there is people that see the price and they don't ask any questions. <laughs> um, but no, there there is a lot of people that are curious, you know, what makes this more expensive? And, you know, I, I tell a lot of people, you know, it's obviously not something that most people are going to eat every day, but it, it's a great treat. You know, um, it, you know, you just don't want to overcook it <laughs> if you want it to be a treat. So, um, but I... Uh, I enjoy talking to people about that stuff, you know, and, and being able to give people, you know, access to those things because like it's, it's a complete experience, you know, whether you're, you know, grilling or barbecuing or whatever you're doing, you know, that it's that, you know, experience and, and flavor and everything you're getting uh, from that, that people love and enjoy and continue to want to do. That is, I, I totally agree with you on that. Um, as long as you don't overcook it, it, you know, it's a good piece of meat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've never understood, and I for, forgive me to everybody that likes their steak well done, but you, you might as well buy a cheap piece of meat. We don't like those kind of people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, it, it, it's uh, always yeah. crazy to me when somebody's like, I want it well done. I'm like, okay, cool, great. There's pretty much no flavor. And then they'll complain that it's like tough. It's like, yeah. Yeah, it, uh, my mother-in-law loves you know, her steak well done. And my wife was the same way when I met her. And I finally got her to try, you know, a medium, medium, medium rare steak. And that's all she eats now because, you know, she realizes how good it is. But it was, I think just some people don't grow up that way. They, they're not yes. used to it. And it to them, it's just not normal. But once you once you get that experience, it, it's really hard. To... My, my grandmother would cook meat until it was just like leather and i remember my grandfather saying he'd look at me and go well boy at least the gravy's tender <laughs> oh <laughs> <laughs> well, that you know that you know that's bad at there um but it is it is sometimes it, it was a cultural thing um sometimes it's it's a um an age generational thing exactly. as i might say you know because they were taught like that they had to cook it that way you know mm. because of parasites and stuff like that and it, it wasn't completely true but um that's what they were taught and that's what they went with and i i find it funny we actually i've turned some people into the you know medium medium rare stuff because we've used sous vide to kind of change it because like when you sous vide something the texture is a little bit different mm -hmm. and um it, it's so funny how people are like oh so that's not blood <laughs> no 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 that hasn't ever been blood like that's not that's never what it is yeah yeah it, it's amazing uh you know and and a lot of people 
that aren't familiar with barbecue when it comes to smoking things, you know, they'll see the red, you know, smoke ring like in yep. the meat and think it's not done. And uh, so having, you know, making sure people are educated on those things, you know, is a huge part of it. You know, you know what the hardest part is? Chicken. When you yeah. barbecue chicken, it is like, I know almost like almost every single time that we do like a party with chicken on it, there's mm -hmm. one person that's like, your chicken's raw. Yep. No, it's not. It's smoked. No, it's pink. It's raw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I can promise you 110% it is cooked. Nope, it's pink. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. I know there's pink in it. Yep. That's 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 the smoke ring. It 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 you know, it's smoke. Are you sure? I can guarantee you as much as my thermopen tells me that it was 165 degrees. Yeah. Uh, we we had a 4th of July party one time and we cooked chicken for everybody, smoked it on a, a wood smoker all day long. And at the end of the night, my dad's like, why is all this chicken in the trash? <laughs> and a whole bunch of people threw it away because they, they thought it was raw. Raw. And uh, so... Yeah, chicken's probably not the best thing to uh, experiment with uh, in a party situation. But that's the hard. I mean, yeah, but for you at least, you it wasn't your like it wasn't your business that they were yelling at. Um, it it's really hard when you're the caterer and you're like, no, no, I promise it's not raw. Like I promise it, it, it's completely cooked. <laughs> yes, yes. That and then um, I don't know if you guys have had this problem like with with. Um, with barbecue in general, we, we take meats to much higher temperatures. I feel like that's another thing that like trying to teach people that don't cook barbecue is a little bit of a challenge where it's like, hey, you know, this pork shoulder has to go to about 200 to 205 degrees because people are like, whoa, 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 that's going to be destroyed. Mm -hmm. I did a barbecue class with, um, with a local butcher shop. And the girl, one of the girls who works there, she's actually uh, one of the managers that's up, up, up higher. She was helping out with the class and we did pork shoulders. And for you guys know, like when you, when you cook a pork shoulder and then you wrap it and then you unwrap it, you know, it looks nice, dark mahogany, that beautiful color, right? Yeah. Well, she's never seen a pork shoulder smoked. Really? Yeah, I guess so. So when we unwrapped it in front of the entire class, she's like, I just saw those. She's like, and I literally thought you burnt them. <laughs> she's like, oh my God, he burnt the pork shoulders. Like there's a room full of hungry people. We're in trouble. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We're not. Like I pulled them apart. They fell apart beautifully, just perfectly. You know what I mean? And, every, like, steam came out of them. You know, it was really nice, super juicy. And she's like, I've never seen a pork shoulder cooked correctly, I guess. <laughs> I'm like, I guess not. Well, and she thought pork bark was something on a tree. I, I mean, I guess so. But, it, I mean, it was perfectly cooked. I mean, it fell apart really, really nicely, but still had that, you know, that integrity of it. It wasn't just mush. And everyone loved it. And it was just so crazy where she was like, I thought you burnt them. She's like, I literally thought they were burnt. And I was like, they looked perfect. 
I don't know. <laughs> so have you guys had like have you guys had that like educational part? Have you had to educate some of the clients? We we do yeah. There's there's a you know a lot of education involved with the selling of certain grills, especially pellet grills, because a lot of people that want a pellet grill have not a lot, but a good majority of them have never had a smoker of any sort. You know, they they've had a gas grill and they've had friends that have pellet grills. They're like, oh, I want to try this, and so they they don't understand. You know what's the difference? What what makes it a smoker versus a grill? And you have to explain to them, you know, the temperature and you know what temperatures you know qualify, you know, for for you know smoking and baking and grilling and and how it, how it kind of works, you know, to a lot of you know your just average walk-in customers. Um, but there's also customers that come in that know more than I do, you know. So uh, it, it just depends on uh, just depends on the day, but. Uh, <laughs> All walks of life, for sure. I, I just, I, you know, you being on the retailer end of it, it it's, it's always interesting to find out, like, <clears throat> how the education goes. Uh, that's something that I'm always really, really interested in, is, is finding out the education and finding out how you're teaching people, because I think that's one of the greatest things, because as you teach people, your business grows. You know, you, you, teach, them edu- you teach them one thing, they go home and do it, it becomes amazing, and now they're going to come back, because they're like, hey, I learned something. I want to go back. Yeah. And before COVID, I mean, that's actually one thing that me me and Nick uh, have talked a lot about, is, you know, is cooking classes, that type of thing. We actually have a facility here to do all that. Um, but with COVID, we really put it on the back burner. And it is something that we're eventually going to roll out, um, which will bring, you know, a whole new aspect to our business. But And there are some barbecue stores that are starting to do it. I just, I'm not to the point where I feel comfortable yet. Bringing you know, that many people in, having a whole bunch of people pay to come to a party, and then everybody, you know, wearing masks or not wearing masks, whatever, you're not going to be able to make everybody happy. And so we're just kind of, you know, waiting it out to for everything to get a little bit better before we, you know, go to the go go add that kind of thing. I totally understand you. Uh, let me know. I'll come out. I'll teach a class. It'll be fun. Uh, <laughs> we will do. You know, I actually have a I actually have a class that's coming up here. Um, up up north, but we, we're keeping it a very very small class um, because for the same reasons that you just listed, you know it's you don't want to you don't want to piss too many people off. You want to try to make people happy, and the more people that you put into a class, it's the harder to make people happy. Yep. You know, we did one of my last classes before COVID was a it was a sixty person barbecue class. It was insane. Um, it was the biggest barbecue class I've ever taught. Um, I think it'll be the biggest barbecue class I ever teach. It is. It, it was very difficult to keep that many humans um, wrangled. You know what I mean? And yeah. we actually teamed up with a brewery and did it inside the brewery. And we, we, we gave them alcohol. So... <laughs> <laughs> You know, it, it got a little bit, you know, fun at the end. <laughs> Put 60 people in a room, try to talk all over them without a microphone. It's fantastic. Um, and I, I am by no means a quiet human. Like, it, it, it's, it's insane. People are like, oh, do you need a microphone? I'm like, no, I'll just, I'll just project. And, and they're like, okay, 
we'll see if you can project and I'll start project like speaking and they're like, Oh my God. Okay. He doesn't need a microphone, but it, it was very, it was a very, very interesting class to be able to do that many people, but it all worked out and it was fantastic. And we had a great time. So, Mikey, do you do uh, on your classes? Is it just demonstration only or do you involve the students and get their, their hands on the meat? We do a mixture of both. Okay. For, for a class of 60, it was all demonstration. Sure. Because there's just it, there would have been too much product waste at that point. You know what I'm saying? Like unless unless you tell people to bring bring coolers so that they can bring these things home, there's just too much product waste. But um, like the class that I have coming up, it, it's a nine person hands on class. So they what, will go through everything with us. What do you feel works best as far as quantity of people? What's most enjoyable? Is that the smaller classes as far as getting more detailed and, and more knowledge? Uh, For me personally as an educator, it's more enjoyable to do the smaller, tighter classes um, because of for, – for the reason of I can give out so much more information, right? Because the, then there's not as many like distractions. Yep. And you also don't have 50 questions. You but have. like, do you limit it to you know? Because I, I thought about doing a class down here, doing doing chicken and ribs together, and then yep. doing having having the large meats ready to go, and so I could demonstrate how they're finished and how we prep them. But you know, we don't. No one wants to hang around nine hours while we we cook a shoulder. Oh yeah, no, no, no. we definitely do. We do we do TV magic. Yeah. So so what we ended up doing is um, we do that fun TV magic where it's like I'll get there at. Four in the morning, throw shoulders on, then we prep one shoulder in front of them, and then we'll prep we'll have them prep one and take it home. So they they'll prep it and they'll um they'll they'll prep everything. We put it inside um the place that I do it has a very nice large walk-in cooler. So we'll put everything on a cart, put it in the walk-in cooler, prep the next thing, put everything in a cart. Uh, put everything you know on a cart, put it in the walk-in cooler, then stuff starts coming off the cooker. And the way that I do it is we do it in stages. So I will start, I'll start the shoulders that we're pulling at like four in the morning, right? So then those get wrapped right around 10 mm -hmm. and the class normally starts at noon and then they get finished, right? And then they're in a cooler and they're done and they're hanging out. And then I start another one right as I know that, like, after prepping, we're going to be wrapping. So I can show you, okay, we just prepped. Now let's pull some off the cooker that we're going to wrap, show you how we're doing the wrap, what we're putting into it, and everything. That's going to go back into the, into the, uh, the smoker, finish it out. And then here's the one that's completely done. We're going to pull it and give it to you and serve it. Yep, sounds like a good plan. So we do that. We do that. Like shoulders are a little bit harder to shoulders and briskets are are a little bit more tricky on timing with that. Um, what works really really well is ribs, ribs, chicken, all that kind of stuff works really really well. Um, because they they're just shorter cooks, so you have you know, you can you can kind of walk people through them much quicker, uh, and then usually the shoulders that are that are finished. At the end of the class that nobody's really eating, that's 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 what the staff 
takes home. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, here you guys go. Yeah. You don't got to cook. Here you go. And, yeah. and we'll, we'll, <laughs> get, we'll give out staff. We'll give out staff food because, like, to be honest, like, after I'm done cooking, I don't want to eat any of it. <laughs> like, in any way, shape. Like, I'm not, tr- you know, I'm not saying my food's not good or anything like that. But, like, you know, when I'm, when I cook, like, I cook commercially, um, it's so funny. People are like, oh, you must eat so much good brisket. Dude, I barely eat brisket. Like, I'll try a little bit of my brisket to make sure I'm there and I'm on point and my flavor profile is perfect. But other than that, like, I'm that person, like, at, you know, at the end of the service at 10 o'clock at night, like, I'm going through a drive-thru at McDonald's. <laughs> and they're like, wait, what time do you start? I'm like, two in the morning. You know what I mean? Like, I've been with this, I've been with this food for so long that I literally want nothing to do with it. Yeah. No, it, it, we used to have a, a, another food, you know, business that we made a, like a snack and it's the same way. Once you've made it so many times, it's just like, it doesn't matter how good it is. You know, it's, you want something different. There, there's a funny meme that's going around uh, a bunch of the chef groups that I'm in. And it's basically like a picture of, I believe it's walking Phoenix, like, you know, like tilting his head down. And it's like, what do you mean? you work with food, but you're hungry. It's like, you don't understand. Like until you've worked in a kitchen and you've put out so much food, like I just don't want that food. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, if you worked at McDonald's, you wouldn't want to eat McDonald's. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't. God. Mike, do you use your seasonings in your classes then? Absolutely. Yeah. It's the best sales pitch. (laughs) come on i'm not dumb (laughs) that's when you like at the end of the class you just sit back and you're like all the seasonings are for sale right there and everyone just kind of you know moves on over (laughs) but at that point you really decide who really liked your class and who didn't right oh yeah absolutely and um according to my track record i mean i don't don't have too many people that don't leave with some with one of the seasonings that we sell that that is that's good but uh, it makes you feel good too oh it's fantastic and it's great that people want that flavor you know enjoy those seasonings and and go you know and are willing to give money for them uh and then feed their families with them that's the coolest thing is people feed their families with them i don't know if i'll ever get past that point where it's like there's some you know there's people in other states there's people in my state there's people around me that purchase my seasoning that don't know who I am that don't know how that seasoning's made they don't understand that it 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 is our seasonings are all hand packed hand labeled everything we're doing it all by hand we keep it all in house it it's a very high end, you know we try to keep it very high end high end spices everything and I just can't get it past that somebody is sitting there and going, what do you want for dinner? Oh, I want steak. And they turn to their wife or they turn to their husband and they go, or their partner or whatever, and they say, what seasoning do you want on? I want the shiitake. They have no idea who I am, but they're using my seasoning. To me, that like that's just mind-blowing. Like I, I don't know that I will ever wrap my head around that. Yeah. It's a good feeling, though. Oh, it's a great feeling, but it's just crazy. Yeah. You know, that, that's kind of how we, you know, well, we, I, we, when did, how long ago did we meet? 
Uh, I would say at least 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So Nick uh, was a customer of ours, uh, you know, that came in one day and uh, we started talking because, you know, their honeymoon was a, a cooking class. And so at that point, we knew that <laughs> <laughs> they were they were there for barbecue uh, stuff. And uh, we, just over the years, we've grown uh, to have a great relationship. And uh, I want to let Nick talk a little bit about that. But you know, uh, through all their, you know, competitions they've done and, and whatnot, uh, the seasoning, they would bring us during the holidays every year. And, you know, it, it's, you know, met more desi- was originally designed for prime rib. And, you know, that way during the holidays, we had something to season the prime rib with. And uh, finally, you know, with everything that has evolved, we got to the point where, you know, we wanted to, you know, be able to share that with everybody else. And I, I know Nick, uh, was totally ready for the idea and uh, <laughs> as it his wife and so uh, we were able to uh, kind of do a collaboration and uh, that you know that's what we came up with is the Nick's uh, premium steakhouse seasoning which so far has done you know very well but um, you know what really intrigued me about it to begin with was you know we have over 600 different seasonings and sauces in our store and it is different than every single one of those I've tried. Um, and you know, not everybody likes the same thing. If you're only cooking what you like, uh, you know, that's not, you know, what everybody else is going to like always. And, uh, so we, we have, we've had this seasoning now in our store and, you know, we give away samples, you know, of a lot of the different seasonings we, we have, have, and, you know, everybody, you know, loves it. Uh, the, with the flavor profile, it's it's not something that you can get, you know, with any anything else we sell. But uh, I would love Nick to tell the story of you know how it came to be. And Nick, we want to hear it. Let's hear it. <laughs> well, the... like he 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 really like he jazzed you up there. So there better be a good story. <laughs> it, well, I don't know if it's a great story, but it's uh, you know about uh, the the seasoning. I guess started with uh, a restaurant I worked in. As a, as a child and uh, you know it's just been been growing since then uh, but you know Jamie uh, I think it was probably six seven months ago where he said you know we you, you need to bottle this and I said you got to be kidding me and and what that leads into is like what I, I've been listening to a few of your podcasts in my other job going down the road and um, you know you, you were talking to a guy I think it was about seasonings Mikey and and about how you know I would I would make my seasoning over the last 20 years, and I'd give away bottles of it or or bags of it to people, and they would tell me how good it is. But then, you know, oh, hey, um, now we want to sell it, and and I think now it's you a different game. Thing, yeah, would uh, can I have 40 bucks now for this food or whatever? Yeah, uh, you know that that's a whole different whole different deal, and. So when Jamie said we need to bottle this, I thought, well, you know, it's something I've always wanted to do, and I, I guess I need to say it publicly again that that Jamie has helped with a uh, making a, a dream come true. Thing. Yeah, a bucket list thing for an old Bohemian. <laughs> but it, it's it's really been a, a labor of love, and uh, it, it's been a lot of fun. Now let me ask you this, because you said you've been making it for you said for ten years, right? Uh, probably closer to thirty-five. Okay. Now has it evolved? Or has it kind of, did you, did you hit that recipe and then kind of keep it going or keep it the exact same? Or has, has there been any, any, um, changes to it over the 35 years? 
before it oh, got it, to the it's, bottle. It's, it's evolved a lot. Um, you know, uh, 35 years ago, I, I was telling Jamie this before we, we, we called you up, I, I, I would make it in an ice cream bucket and I'd put it on, you know, seven or eight ribeyes at a time um, with a, an old coffee cup. And, you know, again, listening to one of your other uh, guys you were talking to about seasonings, when you, when you go to produce something in a, at a different quantity, uh, broken leaf, uh, pollen, you know, all the different things that go into a seasoning. Uh, but when you start bottling it, 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 it to totally changes how it is. Uh, yep. it, it makes it very different. And, and so, uh, and that's what Jamie helped, um, you know, kind of got us over the, I guess the hump was we, we made some, some small changes toward the end, but I would say over the last 15 years, um, my, my bride and I have been, been tweaking it along the way to make it easier to, to use. Now, what, when you went from your concept to starting to go to a bottle, cause that's one of the hardest things that I think most people don't understand. And I, I know you said, we've talked, I've talked about this on the show before. And, um, I think it's always a very interesting conversation. What did you see was, what did you not, like, was there anything you didn't expect to happen that did happen? When you were like, oh, they basically kind of changed the recipe, but it tastes the exact same. Well, I, I, I would say the thing that shocked me about now that we've bottled it is is the the things that people use it for. Oh, um, yeah, that that is very shocking, actually. You know, I mean, it, it just totally blew my mind. Um, uh, I got an email from some people I sent some, some bottles to, and she's using it in her vegetable soup. And this guy puts it on his shrimp. And uh, stuff that I never even... Intended to be on, yeah, but but to to add to your point about you know the the changes in it, you know there was there was certain herbs and, and certain things that worked well in a restaurant, but didn't work with a a crap when you put it in a jug, and 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 that was the the biggest biggest uh, I would say change in the seasoning over the the last fifteen years. Well, one of the hard hardest things for it when you start bottling things is. Now you have to worry about something sitting on the shelf for a little bit, right? Because yeah. you can make it fresh for a week and it'd be perfectly fine in, in a restaurant setting. But then when, when, it, when you put it on the shelf, you're not, I mean, you're not going to sell 500 bottles tomorrow, especially at first, right? Well, it depends how many you buy tonight. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true, but you get you get what I'm saying. I, I, think, I think a huge part when it came to the bottling for 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 me, and knowing a little bit about the seasoning and and how it tasted was the consistency and how it came out of the bottle and the profile that it would have on the meat coming out of the bottle, and that that's kind of what we we altered some things so that flavor profile was more consistent. No matter how much you used, um, and, and that with the herbs that's in it, I, it's kind of very important that it's that way, um, and, and which has made it a very unique seasoning. But you know, I think that's a lot. Of, when you're just spring, if, if you have ten different herbs in your kitchen cabinet that you're putting on the meat, you can put on exactly how much you want um, and make it taste however you want. But when it's all together in a bottle. It depends on how that customer is going to dump it out, you know, and what side of that lid they're going to use on, on what that, how strong it's going to be, you know, what it's going to taste like. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and so that's 
that was important for us. And I think that's actually kind of one of the hardest things in general about being a spice producer. Um, because people, um, un- unfortunately tend not to always think the best when they're, when they're putting stuff out, <laughs> pouring stuff out of a bottle. Uh, I know that I've had a couple people that are like, man, your Windy City was really spicy on my ribs. And I go, well, how much did you use on it? Oh, I caked it on really thick. Yeah, you're not supposed to. <laughs> I go, did, yep. you, did you try it out of the bottle? No. So you're telling me that you purchased a seasoning, didn't try it, seasoned your food with it heavily. But that gets back to the people that, oh, you, you, burned, the, you burned the pork shoulder. You know. I mean, well, yeah, but it, you know what I mean? you got to sell to everybody. Um, oh, right. We all eat. So, you know what I mean? Like, but it's just like, man, you, you bought a bottle of seasoning that you've never used before and you didn't try it. Yeah. Like, that's a hard one to me. You know, you know, that's one thing that's always been amazing to me since we've started selling all these seasonings is we have seasonings from all over the United States, you know, even some from Hawaii and Canada, you know, but how different some of them taste and how some areas use so much more pepper or so much more salt or whatever the case may be than the other area. I mean, it it, it seems to be very regional in what herbs and, and what things are, are used. And that's always been kind of interesting to me. At what, yeah, what's, what's your common herb in that area? I'm sure that that definitely does play a huge role in it, especially if you're, if you're talking about, like you just said, Hawaii. You know, they tend to use a little bit different of spices in their cooking. Mm-hmm. Yep. We, we have some pretty unique ones that ha- from Hawaii that have coffee in them, and, and they're actually really good. Uh, but uh, it, it's, it's very, very intriguing. Well, I've always thought, you know, good food is good food. It, it doesn't really you – know, it all works. I mean, and, and that's the cool part about barbecue is that there's such a, a huge variety of things you can put together. Absolutely. Uh, I think – I think that's the the one thing that sometimes people get stuck on when they're like, you know, well, you know, I don't cook barbecue as good as you do, or I don't cook barbecue as good as this person does. And it's like, well, do people enjoy your barbecue? Yeah. Okay. Well then you're cooking good barbecue. Amen. You know what I mean? Um, and it's like, well, I don't cook it the same way you do. Okay, cool. No, that's fine. Um, but did you get to the same point as me? Because realistically there's, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat in that, in that sense. You know what I mean? Um, now, some things I, I push back on, some things I don't. Um, I do believe that, like, it is very, very important that you cook, that you understand why we do what we do, right? You understand why you're doing it. You're not just doing it to do it. Does that make sense? Because there's so many people that are like, oh, well, I, I wrap at, at 165. Well, why do you wrap at 165? Oh, because it's the temperature is one sixty five, so I have to wrap. <laughs> well, yeah. well, no, you don't have to wrap. You wrap because you don't want the bark to get any darker, or you've already set the bark, and you're no, you know that that is no longer taking in smoke, so you can wrap it and finish it and push through the stall a little faster. Oh, is that why we do it? Yes. Like, it's like, don't just do, don't just do the motion because somebody told you to do the motion. It's like, learn why you do the motion. Yeah, and I think I, that's one of the hardest things to teach people. Yeah. And I, I, I do, I will say from a retail perspective, 
a good 70% of your customers are that do because someone else told me to do customer, mm -hmm. you know? um, which there, there's, I guess, you know, there's always going to be, but it, it is nice being able to, you know, help educate some of those people on different things like that. And I think that they really appreciate it as well. Um, you know, you, you can go to, you know, any store and buy a smoker, but when you can go somewhere and talk to somebody about it and maybe learn new tips and tricks or whatever, I think people really value that no matter, you know, what they're looking for. Well, well it makes I mean, it more. Yeah. And that changes, that changes the experience, right? The experience that um, if you go to a Home Depot and don't, I'm not throwing Home Depot under the bus or anything, I'm just saying like a big box store like that and you look at a smoker and you say, hey, uh, I want to buy this and they're like, cool. We'll get it down from the shelf for you. And then they're like, oh, well, well I have a couple questions on, like, how to cook on it. Oh, yeah, no. Well, I, I can't tell you how many Saturdays I've been down here just uh, harassing Jamie while he's trying to work. And and people will be buying pellets. And, and I'll ask him, you know, what are you cooking? And, well, we're going to make ribs. How are you doing them? And, and and you get a conversation with them going on things like that. And you they're they're very excited to share and and uh, and explain how they're going to do it. And, Barbecue and, brings the world together. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, I've always said this that uh, it, it's one of those things where two two humans because it doesn't even have to be guys, but two humans can walk into a bar not know each other whatsoever, and if they both cook barbecue, they'll find each other, right? <laughs> and they'll sit next to each other for hours. And they will talk about barbecue. Well, barbecue and barbecue competitions, all those things, uh, it's always amazed me when people find out that, that we, we competed for several years, my, my yep. wife and I. And they were just, people are just, oh, wow, you know, a barbecue competition. You know, they're just, they're just amazed. It's, it's a whole different game. And I, there's something about barbecue people that's different than everybody else. You can really tell a barbecue person, and I, I think it's it's probably a, a cooking thing too. It, it's the industry in general, but a barbecue person really, it, it's really one of those things where, shit, you can call a barbecue guy at two in the morning and be like, "Hey, I need this," and he's like, "Okay, cool." Well, that's one of the things I, I learned real early in those barbecue competitions when I had a, a little bitty grill and we go somewhere, and I I didn't even know how to put my easy up up, but in in those competitions. I mean, there was people, I mean, they're not going to give you their recipes, their rubs or, but man, if you need some help with something. Oh yeah. There. Oh yeah. Shit. I mean, I was at a, um, I was at an SCA, uh, competition and I was like, man, I don't, I'm like, I don't think I'm going to compete. And they were like, why not? Come on, let's do it. And I was like, I don't have anything with me. They're like, it's all good. We got you. Yeah. Like you can cook on our grill. <laughs> you know that that's that's a nice atmosphere to be around you know uh this day and age it's harder and harder to find situations like that absolutely so. absolutely and it's it's insane how like people will like barbecue guys will help and it, it's insane like the thing is we don't nobody wants to beat you because you forgot something they want to beat you because they're better you know what i mean yeah yeah, you know, I, I think one thing that I've always thought was cool from a, from a retail's per perspective as well is when you're selling a customer a, a spice or a rub or 
and, and they're going home, it doesn't matter what you think of their barbecue, you know, to them, they're the barbecue God, you know, their barbecue is awesome. And being able to have, you know, the, the people being able to have the feeling of that, you know, no matter what their barbecue tastes like, as long as they're happy. I mean, that's at the end of the day, that's all that matters. And, you know, that's what keeps people going back for more. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They, they talk about, well, they would come up and ask my wife and I, what, what's good barbecue? Well, what do you like? And, and do, if you cooked it and you enjoy it, that's good barbecue. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is such a, um, a difficult question to answer. Well, what's good barbecue? Um, you know, I can give you a scientific answer of what's good barbecue. You know, is it clean versus dirty smoke? Is it, you know, was it seasoned well? Did, um, in, in competition-wise, you know, were the ribs, a, did were they sauced properly? Were there no brush strokes on it? Did the, you know, was there was there a bite to the to the rib? Um, or did it fall cleanly off the bone that, that, you know, in a competition that's overcooked? Some people like that, though. You know what I mean? Like, when you go into the restaurant world, there's people that like overcooked ribs. They just do. That's their preferred method. That's how their mom made it when, you know, when they were younger. And that's what they grew up liking. And that's what they love. That's why, like, you know, when people ask me, like, commercially, and they're like, hey, what's good barbecue? I go, good barbecue is me making you remember your childhood and loving loving food. Because yeah. if that if that's what you like, like, you bite into my food and you're like, mm, this is fantastic. It's like my grandma or my grandpa or somebody used to make it. Okay, cool. I, I triggered a memory. That's that's what's good. That's what good food is. Yeah. It gives you well, some it, kind of an emotion. And the the neatest part about cooking, and over all the years of making all sorts of different things, what what's always been the most fun for me about food is not that I was eating it, is when I saw someone take a bite of something. Um, well, not to pick on Jamie, but I will. The first time his wife had my chicken, you know, I remember the look on her face, and it, it's just a uh, you know, I, I guess they take a bite and they they stop eating and they go, you know, holy crap! Yeah, this is awesome. And there's so there's so many different things someone can like about barbecue. Like for me, you know, one thing with Nick's chicken is not only was it the taste of the sauce, but it was the little you know, grains of seasoning that was sprinkled over the chicken at the, at the end, you know, that you could feel on your tongue. I mean, it was just the whole experience. And, you know, some people just, you know, think of it, the flavor in a total different way, but, you know, everybody likes something different and being able to find that flavor profile that you enjoy, you know, and every time you do and you taste something else, it's almost like, Hey, I just found something better. I just found something better. You know, it, it's, it's it's a lot of fun. And to get back to our seasoning, that's what really scared me, though. Well, I can't say it scared me, but, you know, when, when Jamie said, boy, we need to bottle this and we need to take it public. And it's something I've always wanted to do, but it gets back to, um, you know, will it sell? And, and as, you know, I would I would make it for in, in batches for people. And then um, uh, a man I sent some to years ago out in Las Vegas, Nevada, you know, um, his wife said, you know, he hoards this. Yeah, I mean, he won't let anybody. <laughs> and and I'm thinking, wow, you know, uh, that's the amazing thing about about making something like this. You know, and, and 
from a retail standpoint with seasoning, one thing I've noticed is, you know, people look at the consistency, the look of the seasoning, um, you know, all kinds of different things. And I, I hate to say this, but there is seasoning companies that put their stuff in like a black bottle or something that you can't see through. Yep. That completely ruins their, I mean, it's horrible. I mean, the people, if you can't see the seasoning, there's a 90% less chance that that seasoning is going to leave that shelf unless they tried it or, or know what to expect, you know? Um, and, and also the labeling, I, I found it very uh, intriguing. Like when, when people look at a product on a shelf, what they're looking for, you know, sometimes the more simple the look of the product, the better it sells. You know, I, I like cool, fun labels, you know, um, but at, people really want to see and know what they're getting easily without being confused by a whole bunch of other stuff going on. Oh, I definitely agree with that. I know that like when we were doing our labeling, we wanted it to be very clean. Mm-hmm. That, that's kind of what we were going for. Um, yep. But at the same time, like I drink a lot of craft beer and a lot of the craft beer that I'll try like randomly has everything to do with the label. Yeah, if yep. the label catches my eye and it looks cool, I'll give it a shot. Yep. Like no. it, it's extreme label is extremely important. Yeah. And that, that was one thing um, that was important for us. You know, it took, took us a while to come up with, you know, what we wanted, but we, uh, we wanted it to be fun, but clean and not confusing and, and just very straightforward. Um, but that, that, I don't know. I don't think a lot of, you know, people or companies uh, do realize that, how important that is. I think they don't realize that at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then as their product grows, I think they start to realize that and they some of them will rebrand. Yeah. No, you know, yeah. Um, like Cosmo Q just rebranded yep. a little bit ago. And I love his new branding. Not yeah. that his old branding was bad. Don't get me wrong. Um, his old branding was fine, but I love the new branding. It's a little cleaner. It's yeah. a little bit more mainstream. It's a very nice product. You know what I mean? It's, it's a little bit different. And who knows why he did that? You know, maybe he was just like, yeah, it's time for a change, whatever. But I, I think sometimes at first, a lot of, a lot of barbecue guys, a lot of barbecue seasonings in general will kind of go for that cartoony animal kind of feel to it. Yep. And I feel like that's almost changing right now. Yeah. With, with what's coming out. I, I agree. I, I do feel like to a certain extent with the technology these days, it does have a, also there's a big part of how they brand themselves and what kind of content they produce online. Um, there are some companies that are very well known right now that do very well with that. Um, and so if you're able to do that, I mean, to a certain extent, it really doesn't matter what your label looks like. But if you're not doing that, you know, the, the it's very important. You, you got to portray your seasoning as you're going to want people to taste it. Very true. I think that that's a big part of it. Like, you kind of hit that, like, nail on the head. Like, portray your seasoning on how you want people to taste it. Mm-hmm. If you kind of give them a very clean look, they're going to, they're going to think it's a very clean, well, well put together flavor. Right. Yeah. At least that's yep. the way I, I, I look at it or, or it's a little bit higher of an end flavor. 
Um, and that, you know, we've gotten comments on our labeling, you know, saying that people really like our labeling and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And I, I think it's important. I think it's very important for people to, to give those kind of comments. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it, when, when you have so many seasonings on a shelf, people tend to gravitate towards the same ones and it all comes down to the label and look at the, and look at the product. I mean, they roll it around, you know, uh, and, uh, look at it and, you know, if it looks different, you know, uh, there's some seasonings on, that we sell that, you know, probably aren't my favorite, but they look really intriguing and, and they do sell just because people look at them and like, Hey, this looks different than every other bottle I see on your shelf. And yep. I'm going to try. But it gets back to, you know, you eat with your eyes first. Yeah. 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 It's got to look good. Absolutely. Now, when you guys were when you guys were looking for a co-packer and doing all that kind of fun stuff, which is, I understand, is so much fun. Let me tell you, it's the boring part of it. But yeah. what was the hardest part for you guys? Did did you have any kind of like, like oh god, like why are we doing this moments? No, I think finding someone that you could trust um, in consistency. Um, I think it's a huge part, you know, there's, there's a lot of co-packers, but you know, are you going to get the same thing every time you have it made? And, um, and I did a lot of research on that and, you know, went with, obviously there's some other big names out there that obviously have used uh, the same co-packer we do. And, and that was really what helped us move forward in that area. That always helps. When you see them, I mean, it's important when you see some, when they, when you see somebody making somebody else's product and it's consistent and it's good and you know that it, it, it it's a good product. I mean that 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 helps. You know what I mean? Because then you see what they're creating. I know that like for us um, doing pop ups and stuff like that. You know, people tend to start with something small and then they slowly grow. You know, slowly build. You know, we have a couple people that follow us that come to, you know, every single pop-up and they, they know our food's good. So they're just, they literally come in and order like one of everything and they, they know that that's what they want. But, you know, you get somebody that never had your food or never had anything. Sometimes they're, they're a little bit more skeptical to be like, oh yeah, I'll take one of everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I. I'm one of those people that, yeah, I always want to give stuff a try. And when I'm at the grocery store, like you eat with your eyes and sometimes you buy things and you're just like, man, I shouldn't have bought this. And <laughs> yeah, that's why you don't go grocery, uh, grocery shopping hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do that a, a lot. Uh, I do that wrong. Uh, a lot of the times. <laughs> I bought a lot of $200 Costco chickens. <laughs> oh yeah you know that's the uh that's the worst you go in for one thing and then uh you leave and you're like what what you look at your receipt and you're like what what happened in the last half an hour <laughs> yeah um but uh no it's uh it's been a fun process uh it's it's i've been very you know uh blessed to have a great customer like Nick that, you know, to even have this opportunity. And so far it's worked out really great, but we, we both said at the beginning, if we do this and no one likes it, at least we're going to have a, some seasoning for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Until about the year 2050. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, would you say, I, I mean, the seasoning is successful. People are buying it. People are liking it. 
Yes, very, very much so. I've what been surprised at the sample bottles that I've sent out, and then I, I'll get an email or a phone call, and um, you know, I've I've ordered bottles off of Amazon for my 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 two friends that are are cooks, or uh, again, I'll get a phone call about you know they're using can can we use it on this and you know one of the changes they thought we should make was that we should really say it's all purpose uh, but you know it, it's it's you can put it on anything you want i think so and disagree or agree with me on this um and i think you're you're gonna agree i think sometimes people read the label and they take it to gospel mm-hmm. when at the end of the day we put seasonings into a bottle and you can put it on anything if you like the flavor of it, right? Yep. You and I think s- sometimes people read the, you know, they'll read it and they're like, oh, this is a, like, with our six corners, it's a brisket rub. It's a heavy black pepper brisket rub, okay? Hmm. It's meant to go on large cuts of meat. If it goes on too much of, too small of a cut of meat, sometimes the pe- oh, black pepper will overpower it. But it was designed to go on a brisket, right? So we're good. Yep. I have well, and that's what this was this was set up for uh, because you know as Jamie was saying uh, one of the, the one of the ingredients in here is rosemary yeah. and and you can I, I think we've got it finally balanced pretty well but I never thought I'd have people call me up and or one of one of our first reviews on Amazon uh, the lady put on pictures and it, it was on a chicken breast and her sweet potatoes and her other vegetables and you know, it just kind of blew my mind. And But, you know, she loved it. Well, I have people tell me that they put it on eggs. They put our brisket yeah. rub on eggs. They're like, that's my favorite seasoning for eggs. And I'm like, <laughs> what? They're like, yeah, no, it works really, really well on eggs. And I'm like, oh, okay. And, like, at first, when I first heard it from one person, I was like, okay, you're a little crazy because I know the guy really, really well. And I'm like, you're just crazy. Uh <laughs> You know, you're a friend of mine and you're crazy. And then I hear it from three other people like the same day. And I'm like, hey, are you guys all just messing with me? <laughs> you guys all really putting on your eggs. <laughs> well, one thing that I don't think people realize, and this was taken into consideration before doing this, um, is when you have a rub that's called all purpose and you try to market that, you know how many all-purpose rubs there are, and and people yeah, even though people know that they can use it for everything, it's not telling them what to use it for. So when someone comes into our store and they're looking, if they want to do a brisket or they want to do steak or they want to do chicken, their mind is looking for something that tells them what to use it for. That says chicken. That says ribs. Yeah. Or now it's up to them what they use it for after that, but. I don't think a lot of people that are doing seasoning realize how much the words all purpose hurt them more than help them because they're not narrowing down that customer that is looking for something specific. Oh, I definitely agree with you on that. I definitely, definitely agree with you on that. And that's, um, it's almost like it's a double edged sword, right? Um, mm-hmm. because I get back from retailers. They're like, well, why don't you not call it the brisket rub and just call it a beef rub? I'm like, because if they put it on their hamburgers and they cake it on, it's going to be so black peppery, the hamburgers are going to be unedible. You know mm. what I mean? Um, but it's like, sometimes that word brisket helps tremendously because it's like, oh, I'm looking to do brisket. Well, this is our brisket rub. Okay, perfect. You know, yeah. like, you know, 
like you're saying, it's like our Windy City, that's our pork and chicken rub. And it's like, if you tell people, it's like, well, what are you looking to do? I'm looking to do chicken. This is a chicken rub. Here you go. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? They, they go with it. And then the, the more experienced cooks do tend to take those seasonings because they liked it on certain things and they start to experiment. And they start yeah. to put it on, um, like you said, you know, that she put it on her sweet potatoes. Oh, I really like it on my sweet potatoes or I like it on my veggies. It start, they start to experiment and they start to move. Yeah, I uh, I always, I mean, everybody likes something different, but we have a lot of SPG rubs. But there's some of them that I think could, should be called PPGS because it's pepper, pepper, garlic, salt. <laughs> there is so much pepper that you don't taste anything you're cooking. <laughs> and, uh, but every, everybody has a, a... But, you know, it, it gets back to what people like. And, and I remember years ago we would be at a contest and this guy, he'd be so proud of his ribs that were just as black as coal. And, <laughs> oh. you know, and, 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 but he was as proud as hell of them. But, you know, and he'd spend $1,000 at his KCBS contest and they came in 41 out of 41. And <laughs> yeah, but you know, when he made them, he was just tickled and wow, you know. man, we just got asked to judge a barbecue competition. Um, so I got to be a judge. Oh, there was one entry. It's funny that you said ribs. They were super proud of them, man. We opened the box and you could smell the lighter fluid. Oh no! <laughs> like, we were at a contest one time, Mikey, and uh, it was uh, we were making chicken wings. And uh, anyway, she goes, "Well, uh, my wife goes, well, what do you think about the competition?" I said, "Well, I, I think we might do better than those people behind us, dear." And, and they picked up the the entire rack, and all the all the wings were on fire. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> oh, man, that's a hard one. When all the there, wings are on fire, what do has, you do? There always has to be a loser, though. And there always has to be a winner, you know? <laughs> True. Some, some, unfortunately, somebody has to be 41 out of 41. Yeah. yeah. You just hope it's not you that day. But you want to know something. Unless you do something wrong, you never learn. So right. so there, there's, a, there's a huge lesson to that, and that's only what's going to make someone get better. Well, one of his sponsors, Myron Mixon, we went to his class, and then we watched him on TV. But he, you know, D-A-L, dead ass last. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and even that guy who spilled more barbecue than I've been around has, you know, he said he's coming D-A-L. It happens. Sometimes you get on a table, and it just it's just not the table for you, right? Yeah. It's just that table wasn't didn't think you had good food that day maybe maybe you didn't who knows maybe the maybe the cook came out incorrectly it does happen you know i i think that's one of the things that people um get get too hard on themselves about they're like man i messed you know i'm not good at this i messed it up i mean it's like dude you know one of the things i always like start with in, with my classes is like if you're coming in and you're learning from me you know I ask this questions. I go, you know, what, what makes it, what makes me different from you guys? And everyone's always giving me like, all they're like, well, you're up there teaching. You do this for a living. You do that. You do this. You do that. And I go, no, no, what, what's the biggest thing that makes me different from you guys? And they're like, you know, I don't know, like whatever. And then I just go, I've ruined more barbecue than you've ever cooked. Right. I, and, I tell my nephew the same thing. Uh, you know, all the years in the restaurant business I was in, and, and he'll, boy, you know, Uncle Nick, this is awesome. And I said, well, always remember, 
I've ruined more food than you've ever seen. And, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it comes down, down to the, just like the truth where why is the master better than the student? The master has failed more than the students ever tried. And that's all it ever comes down to because you, you did something once and then you're like, I'm never doing that again. Oh, right. Yeah. And then you start I've had a moving. couple mentors in my life, uh, in, in the food line. And, you know, one of them, she was very sweet. And, uh, if it wasn't very good, she'd say, boy, this isn't very exciting. And Ooh, I, she's I, way too nice to you. Oh yeah. And uh, <laughs> one guy that taught me a whole lot, you know, uh, if he didn't like what you were making, you know, he'd say, this tastes like steamed ass. She's <laughs> honest. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I, I, I like the, I like the harder mentors of mine. I like the people that are brutal, you know, that throw it at me and just, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just hard headed. I, I like that person that will literally be like, this is garbage. Do it again. It's like, okay, cool. Let's go. Well, that's what was so cool about food and, and the restaurant is, you know, you, you, again, I, I started when I was a little kid and there was this woman there and I mean, you know, she was just a dictator and she ran it all. And I was just, wow, this is just awesome. And, uh, you know, the yelling, the screaming, all that. And if you've never been in a, in a, in a restaurant like that or worked in a restaurant like that, you don't have the appreciation for it. <laughs> I think it's very difficult to have the appreciation of getting screamed at while knowing that like you still have to finish what you're doing. Like yeah. you can't rush it because you know that if you rush it, it's going to be even worse. Well, and, and but what those, what those tough teachers taught us though, was, uh, you know, being organized, being ready. And, yep. and if, uh, if a rush is going well, uh, whether it's a contest or w when my bride and I cater or whatever we do, if if you've got it all set up and you're ready to go, it 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 looks quite effortless. And keeping yeah. your station clean. Yep. Station cleanliness is such a big thing, and I I say that all the time to everyone is like, if you keep your stuff clean, your life will become easier. Because then you're not trying to like hurdle through things, especially at competitions. If you keep stuff clean, then you're not worrying about, oh, God, where is this one tool? Or where is this seasoning? Where is this? You kept it all organized. You make, you make, it a, you make your life a lot easier. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I, I, I think that organization helps, you know, consistency, speed, um, the, the ease of things, it's a very important part of it. I mean, I'm sure it even falls into retailer. You know, if you don't keep your store organized, it's going to be a mess after about three weeks. <laughs> yes. I don't even know if three weeks, that sounds a little long, but... Uh, I don't think people realize how much of a chore that is. Um, and, you know, making a showroom look nice seems very easy, but yet it's so not. And it's... There's so many people that make really cool products that don't really think about how's this going to display on on the shelf at, at this place, and um, so it's always a challenge to figure out how to display things, how to organize them, and and it's hard. You got to organize them to where people are going to see them because if not, there's certain products that are just going to sit, sit, and sit. So. Now. Let me ask you this question, and we'll kind of wrap the show up with this. Um, you said that you guys have moved your, you know, you moved into a new location. It's larger. It has way more stuff for you guys. 
when you guys were doing that, did you have thoughts of how the showroom was going to look and to make sure that everyone to uh, I'm saying this wrong, but to make sure that showroom was as effective as possible? Yes. Um, when we when we first started, I mean, we we had a kind of a vision of what we wanted it to be like. Um, that vision has changed three times in six months. <laughs> uh, we, we just reorganized again. Um, we have uh, brought on three new brands of grills that we're going to be selling, and we had to make room for that. We have like about 30 some new models that will carry on top of the ones we already have. Um, and so uh, you, you just you're always evolving. I mean, you always changing and, you know, uh, the worst is when you have a great product and everybody likes it and you can't get it or they quit making it. <laughs> that I can understand. That is always baffling sometimes to the client, to the customer. <laughs> yeah. And, but I, I think what sells in Lincoln, Nebraska is probably completely different than what sells in Florida or California, you know? And so, you know, us as a retailer don't, always get to see that but to a, a manufacturer they're gonna be like hey the only place we're selling this is in lincoln nebraska rubidoux incorporated <laughs> why are we still making it well i mean that's kind of you know some people will say it like they're like oh you don't have you know one of these chain restaurants by you why not it's like well they didn't do well in our market mm -hmm. right it just didn't do well in the market so what did they do they left because it didn't make sense well, well i love that place I would die without it. Yeah, that's why you don't live in my market. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. And that's kind of how it works sometimes. No, but it's uh, it, it's uh, it's been a fun venture. Uh, it, it's interesting, you know, with the barbecue world. There's always something new. I think you know one thing with shows like yours and online content. Um, it's in the barbecue and cooking world people get to visualize so many different things, so many different ways of cooking. And so if someone's really interested in it and make, they make a hobby out of it, they're wanting always the new best new thing on the market. And, uh, you know, we carry, you know, ovens, griddles, pellet grills, gas grills, charcoal grill, you know, uh, wood smoker, you know, whatever, you know, you're looking for. Um, everybody, everybody wants something different. Well, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head, though, with it uh that's why instagram youtube facebook and all that stuff is so important because people see all these things they see how how guys are cooking how girls are cooking how people are cooking in general and they, they want to mimic it and if they don't have that product at their house they're going to your store and saying hey do you have this product because i want to mimic it yeah you know that's real quick before we leave here i think yeah. that is so cool to me how many females are dominating this market you know i mean there's some that you know have a huge huge part of of the market right now when it comes to seasoning sauces um you know video content it, it's, oh absolutely it's amazing that that's so cool these days how easy that is and and how everybody has an equal opportunity in that aspect well i mean it's crazy right you have a video camera in your pocket right now yep you know what i mean like that's something if you if somebody would have told you that 30 years ago that you you could say you will have a high quality video 
and photo camera in your pocket. Yeah. You would yeah. look at them and be like, yeah, you're batshit fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, for sure. Right? Just like yeah. all those teachers that told us, you will you will never walk around with a calculator in your pocket. Oh, yeah. someone's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> my math teacher told, told me that many times. Right? I never did my homework. So. I, I slept through math. Uh, <laughs> but, guys, thank you so much for coming on the show, hanging out with us, chatting, chatting barbecue. I think we had a great, great, uh, great chat. If you can do me a favor, can you tell us – the only thing we never got was the name of the actual rub. Uh, tell us where they can purchase it and what the name is. Yeah, I can do that. Our, our rub is called Nick's Premium Steakhouse Seasoning. Um, it's available on our website and um, Amazon. Amazon. Uh, pretty pretty much most main online marketplaces, and then you know, uh, s small select retailers were working on growing that you know base right now. So you know, if someone has a store local to them that is looking you know to get the product you know they can ask the store or contact us and we can reach out to them whatever um, but we're working on growing that yeah well that's so. fantastic guys um and I if think, anybody is ever in Lincoln Nebraska you know we're on West South Street so yeah. there you go and if you're in Lincoln Nebraska you can just go straight to the source yeah yeah <laughs> and get a easy. sample before you buy mm -hmm. to make sure it is for you so. no just buy it and use it on everything it's fine <laughs> yeah no it, it's been great because you know we've given hundreds and hundreds of sample but i will say 80 80 to 90 percent of people that have sampled it buy it which well, that's a great closure right? really like it or really feel bad for me so <laughs> hopefully they like it they're like oh god i have to buy this so somebody else doesn't no no just kidding no that's fantastic that's an amazing closure right that means that means you did something right you put lightning in a bottle and that's fantastic yep no awesome well, we really appreciate you giving us this opportunity, and uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you, and uh, hopefully uh, we can do this again sometime. Absolutely, guys. We'd love to have you back. Keep on cooking. <laughs>